0: the world is ending again. Doomsdayers and apocalyptic prophets have warned of coming calamity for millennia. Still, humanity persists. This podcast invites entrepreneurs, scholars, community leaders, artists, and many others to envision the end of the world according to their expertise. I'm Vera Rose Smith, your host, and this is Art at the End of the World. Today, we welcome Matthew Steele, artist, writer, and publisher of Little Village Magazine, and Genevieve Trainer, editor of multiple comic book anthologies, and the arts editor of Little Village Magazine. Our conversation was recorded on Wednesday, April 22nd, 2020. I'll have you introduce yourself and tell us about your current role, and we'll start with Genevieve. Hi, my name is Genevieve Trainer, and I'm the arts editor
1: at Little Village Magazine. Uh, I've been in that role uh, four years now, I believe. Um, And I, I sort of guide arts coverage. I manage a whole crew of freelancers who do reviewing for me and previews and interviews. And I do some of that work myself as well and I just, my, my main job is to stay plugged into the community conversation around art and what's
0: happening, um,
1: actively happening in our community.
0: Awesome, and Genevieve, how did you get interested in this work?
1: I started out uh, at Little Village as a theater editor, uh, which was a role that a friend of mine had held and they moved and they recommended me for that position. Um, and prior to that, I was doing editing for a blog called the Iowa Theatre Blog, which is no longer um, active, but it was mainly just theater reviews and previews. And, uh, and I really loved the editing that I was doing through that. And I had also done some editing previously through a poetry magazine that some friends and I had uh, been running for about a year. And I fell in love with editing specifically. So even though I had come into Little Village as a writer, when the opportunity came about to become an editor instead, I jumped on it because I really love working with writers and developing pieces and sort of molding, <laughs> molding the writing rather than doing it myself. I, I don't mind writing that much, but it, it can be very stressful. <laughs> so I much prefer being on the shaping side of things.
0: And what professional training did you seek out to prepare you for this role, Genevieve?
1: Well, I have a, a bachelor's in English from the University of Iowa, and uh, I've done just a few little things here and there. I've I've gone to one of our also- Association of Alternative News Media national conferences, and I am involved in various editorial groups online where I can sort of bounce things off people um, and talk about editing, read about editing, that sort of thing. I don't have a lot of uh, formal training specifically in editing, and I, I'm always interested in learning more. I love going to conferences and going, taking classes and things like that. Um, so I'm hoping always to expand on that knowledge.
0: Thank you. And Matt will ask you some of the same questions. Could you please start by introducing yourself and telling us about your current role?
2: yeah um my name is Matthew Steele I'm publisher at little village uh, been publisher for ten years this summer um, I guess that I would describe my role as basically uh, handling the administration of the publication um, figuring out uh, budgets and uh, overall operational models and um, uh, trying to help protect our rights, help protect the rights of the people who produce our content, writers, photographers, illustrators, um, and uh, negotiate publication of that work, uh, try to push for republication wherever possible, um, and uh, sort of keep the left hand aware of what the right hand's doing as the organizations grown, and uh, we've become a little bit more Diligent and the separation of our business side from our editorial side. Uh, in the beginning, it was one of those, you know, everyone's kind of doing everything kind of situations. And as we've become a little bit more of a, um, uh, I don't know, just established, or maybe it, the stakes have sort of risen on what our role in the community is. Uh, the importance of keeping those those arms kind of separate has uh, has been something that we've really prioritized as an organization to uh, uh, cultivate a little bit more editorial um, uh,
3: uh, professionalism,
2: uh, keep that business interest separate from the editorial and I kind of help make sure that that
3: is happening.
0: Thank you. And how did you get interested in this work?
3: I, gosh, uh,
2: feel like From a very young age, I've always sort of had my eye out for alternative media everywhere that I've ever lived, everywhere that I've ever visited. I feel like it's been an important way for me to connect with all the communities that I've visited or lived in. And when I came to Iowa City, it was certainly something that I gravitated toward immediately. The the publication was still kind of fledgling at that time. It was only about a year old when I moved here, um, but immediately, tried to get involved and help out and um, I, I guess as a student here at Iowa I was sort of I was an anthropology and an art major uh, and the intersection of those two really is sort of well embodied by alternative media it's uh, culture it's writing it's a visual art it's uh, really intellectually engaging to me as a a relational work that really is pretty site specific and it's uh it's 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 a place it's a it's a it's a work of art that is in a time and a place for an audience uh with a a very with, with a with a strong dialogue to it uh it's a format that really embraces community involvement and i always say like alternative media is different from traditional media, and that traditional media exists to kind of document the world, and alternative media exists to change it. Uh, so, I looked to alternative media to get a sense for uh, the values of a community, and um, and and as, as a as a young activist, I I felt that uh, a little village would be a place where I could really have a voice in the community and. Try to do my part to push it forward.
0: Thank you. So, you've talked a little bit about traditional media, alternative media. I'd love to ask you both how you define print media in particular and how Little Village fits into that definition. So, we'll start with you, Matthew. Uh,
2: Well, I mean, I think you're talking about a a physical artifact when you're talking about print media. it's ephemeral part of the ecosystem uh that will degrade and wither away eventually but uh for as long as
3: there are uh
2: conservation conser- conservatives at the um at the library they'll be helping to make sure that they last as long as possible but um i i think there is something to the ephemeral nature of print media um, uh certainly uh The definition I don't I don't think that I'm really a purist in terms of uh, printing techniques um, but the importance of arriving at an object that can't be digitally reworked over and over again uh, That really is sort of fixed in its point in time uh, Is to me what defines print media
0: Thank you, and adding to that, Genevieve, how do you define print media?
1: I think very uh, similarly to what Matt said, building off of that, um, just the, the the tangibility of it, the um, the objects that you can touch, that you can feel, you can smell. Um, yeah, I, I love the smell of our magazines. <laughs> and that might sound really bizarre, but, uh, It's just a very uh, visceral experience engaging with print media that other media doesn't offer.
0: Mm. I like the smell of little villages too. So you're not alone in that. Um, So Genevieve, how would you say the industry has changed in the time that you've been involved as an editor in various capacities?
1: Even in the short time that I've been involved, I mean, I came to this from from the side of of reviewing and from the arts perspective, but so so I may have sort of an outsider perspective on the news angle. but I feel like even just in the past five years, the uh, general populations trust of media in general and news media specifically has sort of disintegrated, and it's been. Um, it's been a really unique and empowering experience to be on the inside of a publication that I feel like butts against those trends. I'm always hearing from from friends that Little Village is their main news source and that they have become more trusting of us than perhaps other news media. And I think part of that is being alternative news media and being sort of of the community and not just observing the community. I think people trust us because they know that we are part of them. Uh, But that's definitely something that I've seen shifting even in just the past few years.
0: Thank you. And Matt, how has the industry changed over the time that you've been involved?
2: Um, Well, the industry has changed just in terms of some of the products. Um, We're certainly still very focused on um, selling Traditional display advertisement, uh, the the product being an opportunity to align your brand with content that the community cares about, kind of be visible alongside it. Um, but we're also working to be more dynamic partners that are doing like websites and kind of using our core skills as um, as media producers to. Uh, to do video, photography, design. Uh, I think I said websites. Um, just in order to uh, remain viable, as many people have new options for advertising over time. Uh, over the last 20 years, uh, you know, Facebook, Google have kind of eaten up a lot of the budgets that people used to have more limited options for. Uh, so that's kind of on the business side, and then on the um, on sort of the entity side uh what what's our kind of place and how has that changed i think in the beginning we were uh really adding something to uh to the available options for uh understanding your community yeah there were basically the daily papers and then in order to add some dimension, you might find an alternative paper that would give you a little bit more of a specific kind of clue about the culture of the area. Um, And it was a time when people were really fighting to
3: have a platform at all.
2: So just creating a platform was sort of the goal in the beginning. And I think over time, people have come to have more options for platforms that there's a lot of uh, the accessibility of self-publishing tools, uh, even you know, starting with Blogger and then now becoming, now, now Facebook, anyone can open up their computer and create an account and have a voice immediately. So in the beginning, there was a need to create a platform and I think today there's a need to uh, curate and help people make sense of the overwhelming information that is suddenly available. Um, just by opening up their Twitter feed or Facebook. Um,
3: so that's sort of how I would distill
2: the, the industry shift from my perspective, going from creating a platform it, where there wasn't one to now sort of helping people sort the information and, um, and curate.
0: Thank you. And that's a great segue into the origins of Little Village. Could you walk us through a little bit of the founding and the early years of the magazine?
3: Yeah, um, so Little Village's origins and (laughs) my
2: chihuahua is having a bark attack right now. So um, bear with me on that. Um, The uh, The origins of Little Village go back to the early 90s when there was a paper started in Iowa City called Icon that became a weekly. And eventually it got bought out by a regional Midwest-wide publisher out of Indianapolis that was called Yes Publications. And they bought a bunch of magazines throughout the area um, and ended up uh, not being able to support them. And within just a few months, I believe, of being sold, Icon got shut down. Uh, And they didn't even own their name. They didn't own any of their equipment. Um, There were a few people that were very, very close to the core of it that still had a passion for the mission. And they relaunched under the new name Little Village. Uh, I think they were like every other month in the beginning. the original publisher ended up moving to Ames right around the time that I moved to Iowa City and he kind of uh you know threw it at a few of my friends who uh managed to keep it in print uh get it to a monthly state get it eventually pretty stable um there were I think four publishers before me um Todd Kim was the first publisher and I think it was Alisa Hansen who was the second uh publisher and then I think Kevin Kopus was publisher for a little while he um and then and then Andrew Sherburn was publisher from something like 2006 to 2010 um and he really sort of stabilized the publication got a lot of the distribution uh locked in and we had reliable reliable releases every month for for 4 years or so under under his leadership and then um when i uh he his wife was pregnant with her second baby our managing editor melody was going to grad school for library science our features editor paul was moving to st louis started grad program uh at washington down there and uh and i was sort of the last one i was web editor at that time Um, so I sort of, uh, was the only one in a position to kind of keep it going while these other, other three had to go on and move on to their next chapters. So, uh, so I became publisher in August, 2010, uh, Andrew, (laughs) uh, made an 11th hour addendum to the contract because there needed to be a cash aspect or it wouldn't be a legitimate sale. He asked me to buy it for $10, which was twice what he bought it for. Um, that's
0: amazing <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, and that was uh that was sort of uh how how little village got stuck
3: with me. Um, I made it a first priority to um to increase the payments
2: to freelancers uh that was kind of the first thing i did I, um it, it was always a thing at little Village that if you contributed, you would get paid something. Uh, if you were an editor, you might not. <laughs> um, you kind of got the privilege of staying up all night and fighting about the content. And that was kind of your payment. Um, and then as I kind of uh, was able to get the uh, the freelancer rates just bumped up a tiny bit, uh, talked our advertisers into expanding their advertisements to do two issues a month, and with that expansion, I was able to hire our first two people, and I think 2012 uh, was when we hired our first two people: our digital director Drew and our managing editor at that time, Kate Conwell. Um, and uh, and from there, uh, it sort of managed to uh, managed to grow. We uh, we we got up to 12 or 13 uh, full timers at our height. Um, we don't really know where we're going to be at the end of this, but, um, but that's kind of the story up till now.
0: Thank you. And you've alluded to this a little bit, Matt, but what is your number one greatest challenge as a publisher?
3: Um, staying out of the way. (laughs) Um, I came into it as
2: kind of a activist, writer, visual artist myself. Um, for the first couple of years as publisher i was I was managing editor and art director and publisher, and I was the only salesperson. Uh, it was a really crazy couple of years um, but uh but you know, really creatively gratifying um, and that creative gratification has had to transition into new forms as the organization's grown um i've had to learn how to give people space to make their own decisions um i've had to i <laughs> i think i took like one business class in college and i was just angry the whole time uh so i've had to get interested in new topics that i didn't think i was interested in before uh just learning the unique skill of management um financially i certainly didn't have any background there so um, you know, developing just any, any sort of uh, business uh, s- skill has been a challenge, but the biggest one for sure has been finding um, new ways to feel creative about this work when the when the things that originally drew me to it weren't really available to me in my position as publisher anymore.
0: Thank you. I also found business courses to be extremely radicalizing, so I'm happy I'm not alone in that experience. <laughs> Genevieve, could you tell us a little bit about your your challenges as an editor?
1: I would say um, my number one challenge is, um, for me personally, is maintaining a diversity of voices. Uh, it's It's extremely important to me that our community is represented in the freelancers that I manage. And I, I work really hard to try to get as many different voices in there as possible. Um, and there's so many great writers in the area. And there's always someone willing to take on a task and take, on, take up a challenge. Um, and I, I sometimes have a hard time saying no, you know, uh, to, to pitches that I get. But I, it's really important to me to, to make sure that there's as much representation as possible, while at the same time ensuring that I'm not tokenizing anybody, you know, not, not like saying, you know, I want you for this story, but not in general or anything like that. Um, you know, I want to be able to find the right people for the right task. And I I love, one of my passions as an editor is, uh, in assigning work, is pairing the right writer with the right story. Um, It's something that I really love. So even though there are challenges in that same area, it's sort of a, a, you know, a, a good side, bad side, you know, my favorite part as well as my biggest challenge.
0: Thank you. And Genevieve,
3: how has working with Little Village changed your outlook on life? Well, um, I would say it, it really,
1: it drove home for me that work and passion can go hand in hand and that, um, I mean, I know, I know that I'm incredibly lucky working at Little Village, having the coworkers that I have and the team that has been put together there I'm incredibly lucky and I know that it may just be a once-in-a-lifetime fluke but it has driven home for me that it's possible to to truly love what you do you know to um that, that you don't have to just look at at work as a as a drudgery um that that there really are situations where the right group of people can come together and make magic together and that that's not just a a pipe dream and that it should probably be something that everyone is seeking because obviously there's different kinds of people in the world and you know the right group for one person isn't going to be the right group for another but it's possible to get those right units together and match them up correctly um also i would say that It's really helped me feel the value of community. It was really hard for me when I moved to Iowa from the East Coast to plug in to a community and to feel as though I belonged, I guess. And now I feel as though belonging is a right (laughs) that everyone should experience and I value the fact that my role at Little Village helps me to enable other people to experience that.
0: That's lovely, thank you. And Matt, how about you? How has working with Little Village affected your outlook on life?
2: Um, man, it's funny, I, uh, you've talked about kind of the merging of your passion and your work, and um, I, I I do feel like this was a really fortunate alignment of the cosmos for me, just where the way that I existed in Iowa City had kind of a um, had a had an outlet I just um, my 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 circles of visual art and writing and activism uh, had this embodiment uh, that was really just a fun thing uh that we all cared a lot about but i don't think really thought it was gonna i don't know um provide us with a living or anything like that um and then it started to get more serious and now i'm just stretching my mind to try to imagine something else (laughs) you know what 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 was it what 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 else might it have been? Where else might I have gone? you know, just thinking of me personally um it's really hard to imagine actually um uh, but I think that it's affected my uh my outlook just in terms of uh you know Genevieve called it a right um for you to you know for everyone to
3: be a part of a community um i i think I, I i relate to that in the sense that um
2: it, i i hope that everyone can just find a way to exist on am i going to say monetize um <laughs>
3: your 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 passions um or you know uh Vero, you you, you you
2: maybe maybe this advice will resonate with you the same advice I give everyone marry a lawyer
0: harsh <laughs> um, harsh but good advice yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> harsh i know i know uh i don't know uh, uh it's it's not a stable thing uh it never has been i never expected it to be that um i feel uh very self-conscious of
3: the privilege that's wrapped up in saying that, Um, but I guess I took a chance,
2: I gave it my all, and now I get to do it all the time, so bully for me and bully for you if you get to do the same thing.
0: Thank you. So you've both given me the warm fuzzies about our shared community and the community that you create through Little Village. I'm going to ask you to destroy it now and describe to me the end of print media, how you see it. And we'll start with you, Matt.
3: Um, (laughs) In a parallel universe, there's a beguiling virus
2: that exists. All around us, and it's hard to detect. And many people who have it don't even show any symptoms, and they they leave the virus on the objects they touch, and you can pick up the object and wind up with the virus and never even find out, or you could wind up eight days later intubated in a hospital uh, with no one around you because of your contagious, deathly disease that you have. Um, that's what I think of today when I think of the end of print media.
0: Wow. That sounds really familiar. Um, Genevieve, what do you think will be the end of
3: print media? Well, um, I do not doubt the,
1: uh, (laughs) the veracity of those predictions. Um, I hope, and I know that I can be an insufferable Pollyanna sometimes, but I hope that any end to print media is merely an evolution. And I see that in all of the arts, especially right now. Um, and, and in as Matt described, the way that the industry has changed in the past decade, that, um, that That if print media ends, it'll be because it's not needed anymore, and that it will become something uh, greater and more valuable than it is today. That there are so many ways of distributing media, and so many of them are more equalizing even than print media is, whereas, you know, 100 years ago, print media was a great equalizer even but there's better there, there may be better ways to do things and i don't like saying that out loud because i don't want to accelerate the end of print media but i, I think that i think that anything that ends because of our current situation is something that needed to end and i think that there are uh, there are futures that can be imagined that are far greater and wilder and more enticing.
0: Thank you for being an insufferable Pollyanna. That was beautiful. And I think as long as there are people like you and me, Genevieve, who like the way magazines smell, as long as that's not digitally replicable, print media is probably safe. I don't know. But let's get a little bit more explicit about the end of print media in light of our current pandemic pandemic. How do you think COVID nineteen will affect the future of print media? And we'll start with Genevieve.
1: Well, I was uh, thinking along those same lines as you just said. Actually, I think that I think that once this is over, assuming <laughs> assuming an end to this, that people will gravitate back towards print media and. The ten, all tangible media, all tangible objects, even more so than they did before. I think there was, we, we were at the start of an evolution away from tangibility. And I think that this forced break will cause people to crave it more than they did before. I think people will want things that they can touch, that they can feel in the same way that, you know, we've all, we've all heard or said that the first time we, hug our friends when this is over it'll be hard to let go right it'll be the longest hug in the history of hugs and I think it'll be the same thing for all print media and all tangible media and all visceral objects that we've been separated from forcibly I think that we'll come back to them with a a desperation that's hard to predict but I I think it'll be a beautiful thing
0: Thank you. And Matt, what do you think the outcome of this pandemic will be for your industry?
3: Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think it's
2: definitely uh, um, causing us to question a lot of the assumptions about, uh, uh, well, I mean, we've been so closely tied to sort of uh, culture and there's 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 a revisit there's a reimagining of what essential means right now we see um, things like artistic performances and restaurants as luxury items and now we realize how um, how essential to uh, life they are not only in an economic sense but uh, just in, in in the qualitative sense of how we live and see ourselves and process reality as humans um, so being deprived of these things i do i do think will uh cause a, a a new appreciation of them uh and i would echo what genevieve said about the aspects that don't survive we're probably you know ready to go on their own anyway um the the things that have uh a, a a deep mission underneath them are going to find new expression. Um, whether, you know, I always, I, I, I love the print format. I love the fact that you can encounter it and you're forced to encounter it. I always likened it to architecture and I wanted it to be like a cool, unique building that you walk past that has character and can only exist in a certain place. That's what I think of with. Alternative media, um, it 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 gives dimension to the area. It's not the geography of nowhere.
3: It has a personality, um, and if 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 the platform becomes
2: unviable, I think the core intention of performing an idea in a vis- in a in a visible setting in the real world that people that we're not uh, chosen by an algorithm. Encounter it accidentally, and can't quite ignore it. Uh, those types of interventions will continue to uh, to to enchant us and surprise us. And all storytellers just need to always be thinking about how to uh,
3: reach an audience and how to speak in a language that people will understand. Thank you. That's the the core for me more so than
2: the object. Uh, But I too love the smell of the object and I'll fight
3: for it.
0: Thank you. And what gives you hope right now? Genevieve, let's start with you.
3: Our community. Gives me hope, absolutely. Um, the way that
1: people come together, and and not even just our community, uh, but the the national and the worldwide community, and the way that uh, connections are are being made from distances, are being made digitally, are being made between people that that you wouldn't necessarily expect. I, I mean the the coalitions of governors, you know, on the, on the East Coast, in the, the Midwest coalition that we are not a part of, but the, the coalitions on the coasts and, and the governors working together to fill those roles that, that weren't necessarily being filled elsewhere. And just the way that people at every level are, um, are, are leaning into collaboration, definitely gives me a lot of hope and the way that we're creating community in new and different ways gives me hope and the way that we're using our tools the way that uh zoom birthday parties are happening gives me hope
3: thank you and matt how about you what's giving you hope right now uh, Scientists and nurses, obviously,
2: um, healthcare workers—true uh, heroes of our time. Um, but I think uh, also uh, the 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 need to uh, be proactive and actually create for ourselves. Um, you know, this is like a hugely shocking to our core event that. Uh, is forcing us to uh, really seek out and create the interactions that we need to survive. Um, you know, we don't have the uh, the passive uh, Wednesday evening gathering with our friends that we just kind of, you know, or the 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 things that we took for granted uh, going into the office, seeing seeing folks. Um, all of the things that had really unconsciously taken up our life, like we have to make them for ourselves actively in this moment. And, uh, that's a new, um, that's, that's like a, that's a muscle that I think we're going to see the, um, we're going to see the effects of that in surprising ways. Um, you know, people. Like Genevieve said that that hug is gonna be the longest hug ever. Um, it, it's I'm hopeful for the art that will come out of this time. I'm hopeful that we won't be the same as we were before. Um, and yeah, I'm just hopeful that the the muscles we build for really communicating and caring and finding ways to help are uh,
3: our powers that we will carry with us into the future. Thank you. Should I have asked anything else? Oh, I don't think so. Those were really good hard questions, Vero. Thank
2: you.
0: Thanks and
1: thanks I to agree. my students. I can't think
0: of anything else. Great, (laughs) good, thank you. And I can't take credit for all of the questions. My students came up with a lot of them, so thanks to them for being so engaged through this really difficult semester. Well, thank you both for doing this interview.
3: Thank you, Vero. My pleasure, thank you so much. This has been Art at the End of
0: the World with Vero Rose Smith. Tune in next week to learn about another way the world might end. The music for this podcast was written, performed, and produced by Gabby Vanek. You can hear more of her work at her SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes. Thanks, Gabby, and thanks all of you for listening.